Imagine suddenly without warning being forced into quarantine so you don't contaminate your family. Imagine suddenly without warning, you no longer have access to your normal emotional comforts. Imagine suddenly without warning, you have to give it to yourself. Imagine suddenly without warning, you go from invincibility to sheer panic in one week. This is my story on how coronavirus saved my life. How coronavirus saved my life. Episode six, the spiral. One day I read on Pinterest a meme which said, life is not a straight or linear path. It's a spiral. You spiral back to things to get a deeper meaning. I'll never forget the day on September 11th, 2001. I woke up to the news on talking about the events of September 11th. One thing during that time was it was such a beautiful and gorgeous day. The sun was shining through the windows. It was such a beautiful day for something so tragic to happen. During that time, I was still in my own head, my own program of unworthiness. Definitely didn't know what my career path was. Definitely wasn't even thinking about a career path. I was lost off track, didn't have any ambition. But the events of September 11th completely changed my life. It jolted me out of my brain, my thoughts, my program. I immediately went into, how can I help humanity? My father had always suggested that I go into healthcare. Yes, the father who would say things to me like, daddy's little squirt or he would say mama's baby daddy's maybe or inappropriate comments like you should pose for playboy yes this was the father who suggested multiple times I should go into health care and so that's what I decided I wanted to help humanity I was so stricken with disbelief on these people who were minding their own business, going to work, doing whatever, their daily lives, when something they had no control over happened. Looking back, I can see where I felt the similarities with that because that was my childhood, doing what I do, and things come crashing into me every day. So I began my career, did my thing, and moved on. One thing about myself that I know is that I have always been a seeker. I always want to know, question, and ask how people got to where they got to where they're at. How people overcame things in their life. How did they do it? Because I could never figure it out. When I was in junior high, I remember one of my childhood friends always being so happy. And I wanted to know, how is she always so happy? How did she? How is she already so happy? And she invited me to church. I started going to this Baptist church to figure out how she's so happy. So I go to the church with her. And 
there was something about it that wasn't quite right. I couldn't put my finger on it. Everybody was really nice. And it was unusual to me because I was not used to everyone being so nice and friendly. My household was full of unfriendliness, anger, sadness, loneliness, anxiety, anger. So I felt that these people at the church were not very genuine, but I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it then. But they were nice, and I wanted to be in a place that was safe and nice. So after going to this Baptist church for a while, one night during youth night, there was a kid who showed up with a Guns N' Roses t-shirt, and then these people who belonged to the church started talking so much crap about this kid wearing a Guns N' Roses t-shirt to church. How dare he wear a a shirt like that to church? I knew immediately that's what it is. They're not nice because they want to be nice. This is not genuine. So I stopped going to church there. And then I started going to a friend's church, another friend's church, who it was a non-denominational church. And everybody there was like all these big like Harley guys. And I liked it, but I was like, this is not my answer. So I continued to seek. Then I started going with a friend of mine to different places in town, different houses, who held Buddhist ceremony chants. And I loved it because everybody was really nice and relaxed and it felt like you could be yourself. And we would do these chants and you could feel the vibration in your chest and the harmony and it was amazing. At that time, my husband and I were separated back in 2001, and that's when I was doing some seeking on my own, and then we ended up getting back together, and so I just kind of stopped seeking that part. As I started getting wrapped up again in our marriage and all that, um, I really wasn't seeking. I was just living day-to-day program, school, work home, school, work, home, never feeling fully fulfilled, satisfied. I just remember being stressed all the time because I had to finish school and work and it just never seemed, there never seemed space to allow myself to seek those deeper answers. My husband and I, we did not want to have children but we ended up getting pregnant. And I remember right around that time before that happened, I was started going to counseling to deal with my mother issues. I was not talking to my mother at the time. We would go through periods where we would not speak for months, months, months. And she would do shit like uh, delete me off Facebook, but you know, request all my friends and send them messages and try to be their friend. It was so manipulative, and I could never figure out where it came from. Like, what did I do to you? So, whenever I was going through counseling, the counselor told me, it'll be interesting to see whenever you graduate school and you start your job and things calm down, the stuff that's going to come up for you. And boy, was she right. I did not realize at the time that 
being busy and never having enough time is also a coping skill we use to avoid trauma. So when I got pregnant, I was so upset because I did not want to be like my mother. I was so scared I was going to be just like her. I was scared that I was going to be missing that loving mother peace to myself that my mother lacked. Whenever I started showing four or five months later and I had to buy my first set of maternity pants, I was so upset and devastated. I remember driving and I had to pull over on the side of the road. I was crying so hard because I didn't have a mother who said, it's going to be okay or you're beautiful. It was devastating. So whenever I had my daughter, it was very, very healing because I quickly realized I am nothing like her. I do have that mother piece to me. I do have a loving spirit. I did have to make sure, though, that whenever I would get frustrated to really make sure, make a conscious effort to watch how my face looked, that it didn't look twisted or angry or whatever, because that's how I grew up, was always watching a twisted, angry face at me all the time. So that was a very healing part to myself during that time. The old programming that I had told me, you need your mother in your life because now you have a daughter, (laughs) which is bullshit, by the way. (laughs) I didn't need her. I didn't need her at all. But it was a good lesson to show me that she can do the whole manipulation thing where she appears to be very caring and then she slips right back into her old programming. She did it to me again where she was really pissed off about me setting boundaries or I wasn't answering her phone call quick enough or her text message. And she'd get very angry about stuff that didn't even have anything to do with her. So again, she deleted me off Facebook and then went around to my friends. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done with her forever. I don't need her in my life. I have a wonderful, rewarding life. I had not talked to my brother, Danny, in many years. We just stopped talking. I felt he was the main reason as to why my mother and I did not have a relationship. I blamed him. For all of our toxicity. Because he was the star of the family. And the major piece to it was. I had told my mother about how he tried to sexually abuse me. And she did not believe me. And then went around and told family members I was lying. Even though I hadn't even told any of those family members yet. So I did not talk to him for years. I always blamed him. Then in 2016, I find out he has cancer and probably going to die and was now living with my mother. I hadn't talked to her in over a year and my last words were to her was calling her a fucking bitch. I blocked her number and all that. So what's interesting about the spiral is that when I found out he had cancer, I completely 
looked at the whole situation in a different way. I looked at my mother as a mother and not this evil person. I looked at her as a mother who was about to lose her son. And I looked at my brother as a man who was dying and needed support. So I reached out to my mother back in 2016 and told her that I was really sorry about what she was going through. And thus began us starting to slowly talk. I had less anger, less resentment, and I could look at it from a different standpoint. My brother, I reached out to him to see, hey, let me come visit you. He at first avoided that first interaction. And so I basically just kind of gave up that I wasn't going to see him. And we weren't going to have a relationship before he died. A few weeks later, I was at this appointment using the restroom. And I look up. And there is this sign on the wall that says, The will of God will never take you where the grace of God will not protect you. I read that over and over and over as I was sitting there on the toilet. (laughs) I was dumbfounded. That word protect was something that was missing my entire life. And reading that blew my mind. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God will not protect you. So I was really processing that because that word protection never protected, never protected, always had to protect myself. So I go home and then my mom texts me and says, your brother wants to talk to you. And I immediately got super anxious and was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then a few minutes later, my brother is calling me. It's so interesting when you have this fantasy built up in your mind about the things that your parents have done to you. And this fantasy builds up where you go, oh my God, they're going to one day realize how horrible they were. And they're going to tell me how sorry they are. And we're going to have a party and they're going to just tell me how sorry and they're going to get it. Well, they never got it. And so I gave up on the fantasy. I gave up on the fantasy of my mother ever realizing the shit she did to me and how my brother was intertwined in that story. So when my brother calls me, my mom was in the room and he had me on speakerphone with my mother in the room and basically apologized and confessed and said he was so sorry for being such an asshole. My mind was blown. It was absolutely blown because the thing that I thought would never ever happen happened and it was such a gift. So that's why I always call cancer a fucking miracle because it was a fucking miracle that this moment 
and his life, my life, and my mother's life happened. So my brother and I started developing a brother-sister relationship. I went to visit him. Of course, he was frail, and they were very short visitations because he was hurting and stuff. But we would talk on the phone a lot, and he became this brother that I always wanted, this older brother, this protective brother. And we ended up getting to know each other. He would tell me things about shit he did when he was a teenager, and we would laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. It was such a gift. So when he died, I was so relieved. I was so grateful for the miracle of his cancer and him because he gave me a gift that's unexplainable. So I remember when he died, I said to myself, I feel like the first part of my life is having closure. And I was like, my second life is about to get exciting. I don't know what it is, where it's going to come from. But I remember saying, this first part of my life, I have closure. Second part was a question mark. So my mom and I started being able to talk. Now, she couldn't go real deep (laughs) with emotion and things like that. But she apologized and she said she was sorry. And I was able to express how I felt. I was, for the first time, able to express how I felt, set boundaries with her without feeling guilty without questioning myself. That was a miracle. So after getting coronavirus and starting to do my inner work, starting to do the work of my shadow self, which is your like unconscious unconscious part of yourself, where you start looking at the why you react to the things that you react to, you begin to start looking at your programming, your childhood programming, and then you realize, this is just my story. I'm not looking at everybody else's story. I would look at pictures of myself when I was a teenager, and I could see the anger, the depression, the loneliness, and then when I started unwinding the unconscious part of myself, I could start looking at the story of others. I would then now look at pictures of when I was a teenager, and I wouldn't even look at myself anymore. I would look at my brother, my older brother, and see. You could tell he was on drugs. He was skinny. He was sweating. He was pale. I look at my mother. She looks completely unhappy. So when you start to look at others, instead of just yourself, you start to realize your foundation of what you thought you are or were is not true. Then you start to look at others and you go, how did they get here? How did my mother get here? How did my brother get here? 
you start looking at your grandparents, then you start going down the whole ancestral DNA trauma. And you go, wow, this has been going on for centuries. We weren't just born to have shitty lives. My mom did not probably set out to be a bitch. Something in her DNA, in her trauma, in her environment caused her to be the way she is. So when you start looking at other people's stories and get out of your own fucking story, you start to look and say, What have I been doing all this time? I've been in my own head. Then as this starts to lift and you start to release and you start to look at other people, you start to realize you've had a veil over your eyes your whole life. And as the veil begins to lift and become thinner, and thinner and thinner then you realize the reality of what I thought I knew the reality of the program that I had in my mind is fucking unveiling <laughs>